Welcome to the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show, 20 minutes or less of power-packed strategy to disrupt your thinking, elevate your mindset, and help you scale your sales online. I'm Kelly Roach, former NFL cheerleader and Fortune 500 executive turned eight-figure entrepreneur. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show. I'm super excited to have with me the founder of the Fiercely Female Foundation, Abigail Mirror. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. Yes, definitely. So you are doing just this incredible work in the world to help athletes to make their way to the Olympics. And um, I think that there is some really interesting stuff going on here in terms of how professional athletes are compensated and yet Olympic athletes have to pay their own way to get the training that they need and to actually make their way to the Olympics. And I think a lot of people are not even aware um, of the problems that exist and kind of what goes into that. So I think it's incredible that you're bringing awareness to this. I would love you to start, Abigail, with a little bit of kind of your backstory and what you know your journey has looked like and what led you to do this work. And then obviously we'll kind of get into talking a little bit about what you see happening and, and why you decided to get involved. Of course. So I started ski racing, alpine ski racing, when I was six years old. I'm originally from Missouri. And I started ski racing there at a very, very small hill, similar to the story of Olympian Lindsey Vaughn starting in a very small Midwest hill. Um, and as I progressed around the age of 12, I was given the opportunity to go and train with Ski and Snowboard Club Vail in Vail, Colorado. So I started living in Vail, Colorado for six months of year. Um, my mom came with me while my dad and brother stayed home. My dad was running a business trying to support me financially. Um, and my mom stayed out there with me for seven years. She sacrificed staying away from her husband and son in order to help me pursue my dreams. Um, I ended up getting to a very, very high level in the sport. I was one of six women who represented the United States at the 2018 World Championships in Davos, Switzerland. I was ranked fifth in the North American Cup uh, circuit for downhill in the 2017 and 2018 season. Um, I ended up with a top 25 world aim drake for downhill and super G disciplines, and I was a five-time junior Olympian. Um, I spent all of those years traveling around the globe, meeting numerous athletes, both in my sport and in other sports. And in doing that, I ended up collecting this insane amount of data and just information about how these female athletes in the most extreme of sports are struggling across the board. And realistically, at the end of the day, these parents are trying to pay for their, their daughters to get to that highest level of the sport and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. And realistically what that ends up doing is that gives a very strong attrition rate for all female sports, especially ski racing. Um, right around the graduation of high school, beginning of college, right. or even after that, because it simply is not financially affordable. Yeah, it, it's insane. I mean, I saw that even at the lower levels, you know, um, I, I cleaned my dance studio every day after school to, to try and be on the competition team and pay for my classes. And we never could have afforded even at a low level, like I'm talking high school to sure. 
stay in the sport if I wasn't working at, at the actual studio where I was training every single day. It's insane. It's insane. And the, the biggest thing is that's taking away from their time that's as an athlete. That's taking that's away. I know so many girls, I mean, men as well, but I, more girls that are having to literally wear their fingers down to a bone working a job during their off season when realistically they should be training and helping progress for that next season, getting ready. But instead they're trying to cram in some kind of job to just make every single penny count. Yeah. And people don't understand. I mean, sport at that level, you know, you're working a full day every day training. They're it's you're already working a full time job training. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about like what you learned, like about how the system is set up and why is it set up that way, and why haven't we progressed further by now? Like, why isn't this fixed yet? Um, obviously, you you saw this and you're like, okay, I'm going to do something about it, right? So you're working on changing that. But, you know, why, why has it made it this far without these changes happening? A lot of it, I, I feel like, is just how our entire country is set up collectively. So there are hundreds of athletes in sports that are trying to represent the United States at the highest level, yet many sports are not subsidized by the government yeah. in our country, whereas most, almost the rest of the world, they all help fund these athletes at the highest levels. For instance, um, if you make criteria right now to be on the United States ski team, instead of your, your lodging, your travel, your lift tickets, your race fees, all of that that would normally be covered by another, uh, for instance, Switzerland or Italy or any other team, um, these athletes are not only covering those fees, they're also paying over $30,000 just to be on the team, even though they make full criteria to be on the team. Right. That's insane. So, and, and was there a reason, was there an initial reason why the U.S. is, is not sponsoring these athletes in the way that the rest of the world is? I'm just not sure that the U.S. sees... Um, for instance, obviously, we know that the NFL is not government subsidized. That is a private entity. It does whatever it wants. Yeah. But the biggest thing is I just don't think the United States fully sees the potential or the gain on their side to actually fund these sports, even if they are like the NFL or a smaller sport or whatever it may be. I just don't feel that our country sees the need um, to help these athletes. And it's... Mm -hmm. It's sad because on a global scale, we have every single tool you could ever have in the United States to produce the best athletes consistently. We have the best tools, the best trainers, the best doctors, everything, yet we don't help these athletes get there to be the best. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I'm sure, like, have you come across a lot of athletes that get out of the game essentially because they just can't afford to go any further. I mean, it, how many good athletes are we losing because they just can't, there's no way to fund going any further. Well, there's two ways to look at it. Um, most of those athletes that drop out of their sports are because of financial reasons. Like that is the complete bottom line reason that most athletes that drop out are done. They just, they can't make it work anymore. Their parents can't make it work anymore. Even if they're 
the best that our country has to offer, they can't financially cover it. And then there's the other side of things where even if they can perhaps, or in that small percentage where they can financially cover it, for instance, they just get tired of asking for that money or, yeah. or they feel wrong about it or they feel, they feel poorly spending that much to be at that level. Right. All are the best in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a shame. And, and so you're making a big pivot now from really being in the game training yourself. And now you've created this whole business where you're really trying to help create advocacy for athletes and, and help kind of solve some of these problems. So talk to us a little bit about starting on that journey of stepping into that leadership role and, and, you know, kind of what things look like for you now today. So my biggest reason for getting out of the sport was essentially, yes, the financial side, but also the the politics that came with it as well. Um, I was one of those that I was blessed enough to have a family that could support my dreams. Um, but I ended up taking a step back. I'm not calling myself officially retired. I'll tell you that. But I wanted to take a step back and try to fix this. The sport will be there. My body's in great health. I can come back to it in a couple of years, but I'm so tired of seeing these amazing yeah. athletes throwing in the towel because there's no one to support and help them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's where my passion comes from. I'm, I saw so many friends. I mean, I, I can't even count how many friends just one day were like, this is not, I can't do it. I can't scrape together another penny. I can't do this. Wow. That's such a shame. So, and, and are there any established organizations at this point that really help athletes to secure funding for this, or is there just not a lot of anything going on? There are foundations and there are sponsors and there are people that, you know, they do fundraisers and they raise money and they, they help these people to reach their goals. But at the end of the day, there's no one doing it for women and there's no one really doing it, especially in women's extreme sports. Why are the most insane adrenaline, just these women that are so incredible at what they do and they're doing the sports that are full on, you know, X game sports and yeah. just the most insane sports. Those people, you know, they have no pipeline. They have no support. They have no... They have no high school basketball team to go to. They have no camps. They have nothing that's provided by their schools or uh, any camps growing up. For instance, you can't send an eight-year-old to a dirt biking camp, a female. You can't. You know, they can go to soccer camp. Right. So why is there not – there's this massive void as far as extreme sports go, especially for women, um, that I'm trying to fill because – for lack of a better term, these ladies are the most badass athletes that we have and they are getting nothing. Right, right. It's crazy. So so talk a little bit. First of all, I applaud you so much for um, seeing something and doing something. That's just huge legacy and leadership. And it's everything that this show is about. Uh, one of my favorite phrases is to train for your business like an athlete trains for their sport. I'm hosting my annual event in just a couple of weeks. We're bringing in um, an Olympic athlete to speak to you know all of our business owners about what it means to make the commitment to building 
building your legacy the same way that athletes make the commitment to their sport because it's it's something to just be applauded and that level of discipline is just it's what's needed uh, across the board and it's what's lacking in so many places, right? Um, so let's talk a little bit about like what you're doing now with, with the foundation and, and your work today and, and what that looks like for you. So right now, um, we just got our 501c3 approval. So we are working to move forward. Our plan as of right now is to take women from um, extreme sports and we will have an athlete application that they are more than welcome to fill out on our website fiercelyfemalefoundation.com um, as well as donors can go over there and we are looking to basically find these these niche athletes that have so much potential in their sports in their extreme sports that need all the financial help they can get and our goal is to shrink that attrition rate of people dropping out because of financial issues because sooner than later, things are just getting more and more expensive in the world of sports right now. I mean, right now, it can be between $500,000 and a million dollars to send an athlete to the Olympics in our country, which is just, it, it's like hard to grasp. Yeah, it's, it, it means that who's going is, is not necessarily the best representation of the best athlete. Right but it's the representation of those that come from a, a backing to be able to. Right. So my goal is to essentially get the best athletes in there. Yeah. I'm not saying the other athletes aren't the best athletes. They are there for a reason, yeah, but I'm saying absolutely. we shouldn't be turning away these athletes just because they can't afford it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, talent is what we're looking for here. We want talent. We want passion. We want, the best athletes, whether they're the fastest or the best or whatever it is, we want the best athletes representing our country, not just the ones that are at that same level, but can afford it. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's fantastic. So you guys just got the 5013C. That's amazing. You're going to be helping to connect donors that want to make a difference with athletes that um, deserve to be there and are, are willing to do the work, but may just need a little bit of support. That's amazing. Um, do you have a website app? What's the website? Yes. Yeah, so the website is, like I said, fiercelyfemalefoundation.com. Um, right now you can go on there and read about us read about what we're trying to essentially educate the general United States about, what this problem is, how we're gonna fix it. Um, we're also going to have like an athlete page on there. So if you wanna specifically say you're interested in a dirt biker or interested in a skier or interested in a snowboarder or a surfer, you can go on there and read about each one of these athletes and, and just kind of see what, what they need, where they're at, just learn about them and just help spread the word about this problem. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So I hope everybody will will look for this opportunity and, and see what you can do to contribute. I'm, sur I'm sure everyone knows an athlete um, that they you know wish they could have seen go further and you never know. That could be your son, your daughter, your niece, your nephew that you hope one day has the right support um, to, to be able to achieve their goals and dreams. So I think it's absolutely huge what you're doing. Um, I definitely want to spend a couple minutes talking about like your athletic career and mm -hmm. just the level of of discipline that it required to get to the level that you have achieved already and that I'm sure you will continue to achieve when you return to the sport. Um, tell us a little bit about um, what, your, what your kind of um, strategy, I guess I would say, for perfecting 
your performance in the sport looked like and just kind of some of uh, the decisions that you made to excel in your sport at the level that you've been able to. What did that look like for you? So like I said, I grew up in Missouri. Um, I ended up starting to live in Vail for the winter season so I could train um, at age 12. And my family sacrificed a lot. Every single person in my family, down to my grandparents, cousins, everybody sacrificed. But especially my parents being away from each other, you know, before I could drive a car, obviously. Being away from each other and my little brother for six months a year, that was a huge sacrifice. And not to mention, I, I never had the, and not that it's the biggest deal in the world, but I never had that high school yeah. experience. I did everything online. I was constantly traveling. I was never in one place at the same time. Um, what my season basically looked like was uh, ski season is November to April, roughly. Mm-hmm. And that means racing every week or weekend, sometimes longer projects, you know, eight, eight weeks at a time in Europe, racing, constantly living out of suitcase, traveling, hundred percent of the year basically um because as soon as season's over there are then off-season camps where you would go to anywhere there's snow basically so that looks like mount hood oregon um canada chile new zealand uh, glaciers in europe just constantly traveling and that was a huge financial financial strain on my parents as well yeah um And it really was an all day, every day thing, you know, wake up, eating healthy, working out, going to training, going to the gym after training, PT, school, all of this, like all mixed in. And then people wonder why athletes don't have the time to go work to raise some money. But at the end of the day, it's, if you want to be the best, you absolutely have to live, breathe and eat your sport every single day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's awesome. So for you, well, first of all, it sounds like your parents did a lot of things right. And they made a lot of sacrifices to support you. That's like just an incredible family um, success story that they were able to uh, allow you to, to pursue your dreams in that way. And that's really, really awesome. And it sounds like you recognize that you recognize uh, the sacrifices that were made to allow for that, which is incredible. Um, what are some of the biggest things that you would pass on? Um, you know, maybe to the parents that have young kids that have a goal or dream that they want to help them to pursue, um, or maybe to the parents that have all their kids that are homeschooling now, you, you homeschool right you were you were doing schooling from wherever you were at the moment like what what's what are some of the the things that you would pass on from those experiences I would say the biggest the number one thing for me was to always try to stay grounded a lot of athletes and even I found this happening to me um you know a couple times it happens to every athlete happens to every normal kid it happens to every single person where you're trying to do so much all the time. Like, okay, I, I'm going through my training regimen every single day. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm watching video all night. I'm doing all of these things to make this happen. But at the end of the day, everyone's so go, 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 especially in the world of sports. My biggest thing that actually helped my career get to the highest level that I had achieved was just taking a step back every now and then. Um, even though your coaches or your parents or whoever it may be might not be okay with, well, you can't miss a day of training. What do you mean? At the end of the day, that 
sometimes I would just say, I'm not going to training. I'm going to go free ski, do what I love, or I'm going to just sit at home and read a book or something to just bring you back to where you were. Because we all get so overwhelmed at times, and it's hard to recognize that you are overwhelmed until it's really too much. So I would say the biggest thing for anyone who's an athlete, homeschooling, whatever they may be doing, a parent, take a little bit of time every now and then. It's okay. Take some time. You're not going to lose your place in line. No. You will not lose your place. So key, but if you're out of the line altogether because you didn't take that time, that's when you get yourself in trouble. Right. Right? Absolutely. You know, it's just like you know I, when you think about an athlete, and you just mentioned, you know, you have PT. You have to take that time to to recover, right? Absolutely. You have to take that time to rest in between so that you can come and and perform at your highest level. And I think that it's great to, to hear you say that. And I think that is a part of training. That is a part of training, knowing your own self and being able to manage through that. Um, what are some of your biggest lessons that you feel like you're going to carry into the business world now that you learned from your training? So you trained like an athlete as an athlete. Now you're going to train for your business like an athlete. What are some of the things that you're going to carry over with you that you feel like are going to give you like that advantage to go out and make the biggest difference with this, you know, foundation that you're starting now? Well, I would say I'm not too scared of much. After strapping (laughs) some eight foot boards to your feet and going down an ice rink at 75 miles an hour, not much, not much scares me. I'm, I'm confident about the, the being level headed, but also having that grit and just wanting wanting that success. I think that's what every athlete has in them and it's built in so strongly. That's why I think you see so many athletes after their sports continuing to get that success and continuing to be hungry. Yeah. I love that. So good. So, so good. Um, What would be something if, if you could just give everyone like a final kind of invitation to participate with you on this journey? Like where can they connect with you? Where do you want them to follow along? Um, how do you want them to get involved? I want everybody to go ahead and check out our website, fiercelyfemalefoundation.com, and just read about this problem that's going on. Read about the pay gaps in skiing. Read about the pay gaps in dirt biking and surfing. There's obviously a big, big awareness that's starting to gain some traction right now in the United States about the pay gap between male and female athletes. I mean, there's really no reason that like Ashley feel like the best women's dirt biker is making 250 K a year. And Eli Tomac, the best male dirt biker is making upwards of a million dollars a year. Yeah, absolutely. I want people to educate themselves, educate your friends, like drive to our site, see why this is happening and read about some of our girls. Yeah. For sure. That's awesome. I I really appreciate what you're doing. I I love the message. I love seeing you get into action. You see it a problem. It's such an opportunity to be a leader and to build your legacy um, as an athlete, but also as just someone that's creating positive change in the world. So congratulations on that. We'll be watching you. We'll be cheering for you, whether you're in in the, the field as a as a business person or whether you're, you know, back on the hill skiing. So uh, best of luck with everything. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I really appreciate it. You got it. Awesome conversation. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you soon. 
clients are bombarding us, asking us about products we recommend and what companies that we absolutely love. And while we are building out a custom app, we have all of our housing and training modules in Kajabi and we absolutely love it. If you're looking for a simple way to store your membership training, your courses, your programs, this is your one-stop solution. You can use it as an email service provider, landing pages, and basically anything else you could possibly need to build your business online. If you're interested in giving it a try, you can grab a free trial by visiting unstoppableentrepreneur.com forward slash Kajabi.